Hi there. Welcome to episode number 24 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. As usual, I am completely delighted to have you on the playground with me and my fabulous mystery guest. And before we start our career chat, I would just love to invite you to follow me on Instagram on Puddle Jump Coaching 001. I'd also love it if you could give this podcast a rating and uh, just help get the word out there about this really cool chance to talk to people and to listen to them, to listen to their stories and to be motivated and inspired and just get this positive energy that people are expressing and sharing and learn how to build that resilience within yourself. I mean, I know every time I have a conversation with somebody, I'm so inspired. And then the inspiration just keeps going as I get to edit the episode and listen to everything all over again. And as such, I got to listen, of course, to this episode as well. And I have just got to tell you, wow, this one gets to your heart. And I'm so pleased, thrilled, delighted, happy, honored to welcome my mystery guest to the playground this episode, the wonderful Brianna Pizzuto. Welcome, Brianna Pizzuto, to the Playground Project. I am absolutely delighted to have you join us here on the playground and have a, a good career chat with you. I am one of your biggest fans, and I'm going to put just put everything into context. I met Brianna when I was an employment consultant at the Community Employment Resource Center in Canada back in 2013, so it's been 10 years. She and I just clicked from the first time we chatted, and it was it was June 5th, 2013. It was my anniversary, and you probably know by now that I'm somewhat irreverent and ridiculous and quite silly, and I can just remember telling her that it was my anniversary, my wedding anniversary that night, and I was excited because we were going to be ordering pizza. So that's kind of how our relationship started, and it's progressed and grown, and we've become extremely close friends. She is one of the most inspiring people I've met, and here is her about from LinkedIn. Brianna is the founder of Talk Tools, where she leads various programs aiming to increase positive communication surrounding mental health and suicide for individuals and organizations. She is also a registered psychotherapist qualifying in private practice at Talk Tools Psychotherapy. Brianna is a driven individual with a passion for helping others and a vision to make a difference in her community. She is an engaging public speaker and enjoys training interactive sessions. She is detail-oriented and excels in volunteer management, crisis intervention, and forming and maintaining relationships between organizations and individuals. She's awesome. She's amazing. And I know you're just going to be in, in love with her like I am. Brianna Pizzuto, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So, you know, on the playground, we talk about high school and then we talk about kind of 
finding purpose. And then we talk about creating a plan to live by that purpose. And then, uh-oh, what happens when we need to pivot? Mm-hmm. So here's the first question for you. Well, actually, there's two parts. Where did you grow up and what was high school like for you? Okay, so I grew up in Ottawa in the West End, and I still live in the West End now. And high school was actually a pretty good time for me. I was not a popular kid by any means, but I was I became quite involved in a group where we were it started out writing letters to a girls' school in Africa, and then we ended up forming a group that held a fundraising dinner for the school to raise some money for them, of which I was the MC for the evening, and we ended up raising a substantial amount of money, and, and I felt really good about that. And I had my first travel abroad experiences in high school. I had the opportunity to go on an exchange to Spain and and to go to China to accept an award on behalf of our school. And I think that high school was a really, actually really good jumping off point for me to figure out that some of my passions lay in community and travel and connectedness. I think high school is hard also for a lot of people. It did not prepare me for university the way that I would have hoped it would. And I didn't know that until I got to university. But on the whole, I seem to remember back on it as a generally positive experience, which is lucky. Mm -hmm. So you said that you don't think that it prepared you as as much as you thought it would be for university. What does that mean? Well, I felt that when I got to university, just the format of the classes, the immense amount of responsibility and accountability on the students to be doing the work and keeping up with the work. I felt really unprepared in my first year of university. I wasn't prepared for the class sizes. I wasn't prepared for the amount of work that needed to be done outside of class. I wasn't prepared for how little the professors care about your success or not. And the first year of university was a really big learning curve for me. And you've been in you were in university a couple of different times, right? I was, yeah. So I went to Ottawa U in health sciences and an undergrad in health sciences. And then I did a second degree, a bachelor of arts with a specialization in psychology. And that was 10 years ago. I graduated, which is when I met you because I exited my second degree and had no idea what I should be or could be doing. And And then more recently this year, actually, I just graduated my master's in counseling. So I have been to university a few times. Yay. Uh, Congratulations, Mazel Tov, on getting uh, this latest master's in counseling. You know, that's a giant accomplishment and I'm incredibly proud of you. Yeah, I'm very lucky and privileged to be able to complete this much schooling. I know that it's something that not everybody can afford the time or energy or money to do. But you did it and look out world. So there you were in high school, you know, in between going to Spain and China and accepting awards and, and doing all of this stuff. How did you do in in academics? What was your best class? Do you remember? My best class. I I think that I, well, I am an overachiever. So I, I did quite well in high school. I loved 
sciences. I loved bio. I loved chemistry. I think I was somewhat interested in psychology and anthropology and sociology. Did quite well in math. More more of the sciences. Did not love English or history or art or anything like that. I don't know what side of the brain is the science part. If it's the left or right, I can never remember, but it's my brain is definitely more science-based. I believe it's the left side of the brain. But I mean, obviously, you're right and your, you know, your creativity and, and everything that it, it takes a, the mixture, right, of, of both sides of the brain to get to the place where you are, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dig into that. So when you were there, did you know, like, because you said health sciences was the first degree. Why did you not go to, and this, this might be an unfair question, why did you not go to med school? Yeah, so I really wanted to go to med school, actually, since I was a kid. And and I don't know if I've ever even told you this before, Tanya, but when I was a, a, a little kid, I have a teddy bear that was gifted to me by my aunt when I was born. Uh, I used to do surgeries on him in my bedroom. I would like pull my desk lamp over on top of him and give him a needle to put him to sleep and stitch him back up and stuff him when he needed it. And I really wanted to be a doctor. And that's what I worked towards throughout high school and what my intention was going into health sciences. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out for me. My, like I said, first year university and my undergrad was a really big learning curve for me. And while I still did well in school, it wasn't well enough to meet the standard to enter into med school. So in my third year, I did write the MCAT and I scored reasonly well on that. And unfortunately, my marks in school just weren't high enough to make the cut to get into a Canadian med- medical school. And at the time, I, I wish I had known that there's actually a bridge program in Ireland that takes uh-huh. Canadian students straight out of high school. And you can do your full undergrad and med school in six years and then come back to Canada and practice. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's easy for me to say now that I would have done that. But I feel like had I known about that at the time, I might have tried that option instead of staying here in Canada. The standards are incredibly high. And I get it. We want to hold our doctor to high standards. At the same time, it's frustrating for me because that really was my passion and our our country needs doctors so badly. And that was a really difficult experience to admit to myself that that wasn't going to happen at that time. Yes, that is a pretty big pivot right there. So you said, okay, I'm going to get this degree in health sciences. What would health sciences prepare you for? Like, what were you thinking you would get into? Or what was your career going to look like with the degree in health science? Yeah, well, that's kind of the the thing of the pivot was that in fourth year of health sciences, I realized that if I wasn't going to med school, it wasn't preparing me for a whole lot else. Uh, Health sciences is a very general degree. You don't come out with a necessary certification in anything. So you, there's no such thing as a health scientist. I suppose that it could lead you into maybe government work or maybe healthcare in a way, although a lot of healthcare jobs, you need to be certified in something and that's not what health sciences gives you. So I, I can't remember exactly how it panned out, but because I had a minor in psychology in my health sciences degree, the University of Ottawa 
allowed me to do a whole second undergrad degree in a year. So I did a fifth year and got a Bachelor of Arts with a specialization in psychology. And I didn't exactly know where that was going to lead me either. I I kind of just felt that I wasn't ready to join the real world. And if med school wasn't going to work out for me, I wasn't sure what to do. So I took that option and I was really lucky to be able to afford to do that. And and then in that time, I kind of re directed myself and pivoted towards jobs in the social services field and started to learn more about mental health. And and that's where, I guess, a lot of my values that led me toward medicine would also be used, but in a different way in the mental health field. Mm -hmm. The transferable skills. Yeah. So how would you describe your career then? What does your career look like? If you were painting a picture of your career, what would it look Mm -hmm. like? Well, it, it started off at a youth treatment. So well, going back even further, I, I worked jobs. I worked as a physiotherapy aide for a little while. I worked as a nurse's aide at a dialysis clinic for a little while. And then I entered into social services. So I used to work at a, a residential treatment center for youth with substance use disorders and learned a lot, a lot there about supporting people in crisis, supporting people with substance use disorders, working with youth. From there, I became a volunteer at the Ottawa Distress Center. And then from there, eventually worked my way into a a full-time job managing the volunteers at the Ottawa Distress Center. And along the way, just volunteered in a supportive housing organization, ended up working there for a little while as a coordinator they have residents that live in homes with each other and provide volunteers for social activities. And, and these adults are living with pretty severe mental illness. They're well enough to live independently, but they need a little bit of extra support. And then another pivot, uh, I experienced burnout in my workplace. I think that is the irony of a lot of social service agencies in this city is that they exist to help other people and they don't often treat their own staff very nicely. And so that was probably the worst time in my own mental health journey and my my career. And I ended up leaving there. I had an idea to start my business, but wasn't fully certain what, what would happen or how that would go. Got offered a job at uh, another social service agency doing exactly what I had already been doing. And um, I actually only ended up staying there nine months because my business was growing on the side and my passion for my business was growing. And I really needed to be challenge. So I started my business talk tools training in 2018, where I deliver workshops about mental health and active communication, boundary setting, sustainable self-care. And I offer a few different, I am a trainer of a few different suicide intervention programs that are standardized programs. I'm also a trainer with St. John Ambulance's mental health and wellness at the workplace. And so I've been doing that for five years, have not looked back. And about two years, three, oh my gosh, three years ago, actually right now in July 2020 was when I started to think about going back to school for my master's because I had always felt like there was something more. And in my own experience, going to therapy while I was in a state of burnout, realized how powerful a therapeutic relationship can be. And so in July of 2020, I applied to my master's which I started in January 2021 and just ended in April 2023. So now I do training and I also have a private practice as a registered psychotherapist currently qualifying. And that has been the journey of my career in the last 10 years. Wow, that is very succinct and well said. And you got it all. Question for you, what does it mean by qualifying? 
Is that like what you you have to say your first year after you've gotten your master's? Or what? Yeah, that's a great question. So in Ontario, psychotherapy is regulated by the College of Registered Psychotherapists of Ontario. And they require that after you complete your master's, you are in a qualifying period until you write an exam and pass it and reach a certain number of direct client hours, as well as a certain number of supervision hours. So I will be writing my exam hopefully this October. And as I see clients and do weekly supervision, I'm working towards completing those hours. And once I have completed all three of those components, I can apply to remove my qualifying status. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. So you know that purpose is is a big deal. It's a big part of the three Ps. How were you able to find your purpose? I, I ask because a lot of people kind of struggle with this. Like, how do I find my purpose? How do I know my, you know, what's what what's important to me? How were you able to find your purpose? Hmm. That's a really good question because I feel that I have innately known that my purpose is one in service of others. I don't know how I ever learned that though. I just have never seen any other way. I'm just pondering on how I might have come to know that. Well, the listener knows that I'm absolutely crazy about the colors. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to suggest that they probably understand that you're a very blue person, but also that you're a very green person. And I think it's that blue that is that, you know, service to others kind of thing. No offense to the other colors, but that's a really strong part of the blue experience. For sure. Yeah. And I I actually think my secondary color is gold, although maybe it's changed since I first did it. But my my primary color is blue for sure. Yeah. And uh, I'm also a cancer. I don't know. I don't know how much you or your listeners believe in astrology, but cancer is our feeling moody, emotional sign in the zodiac and uh, which (laughs) allows me to enter into spaces of empathy with other people quite naturally. And so I think that just all pieces of my personality really lend themselves pretty well to being in the role that I'm in. Oh, I definitely agree with that. And listen, yes, yes, yes. I know about your gold. I know. (laughs) But listen, anybody who's this talented and this aptitude that you have for the sciences, you know, that's a lot of green. That's a lot Mm. of, you know, STEM stuff there. So I think that that's, I think just very cool. And well, the question is, but I don't know, maybe it's not even relevant anymore because I, okay, I'm going to ask you. Ask it anyway, ask it. All right. How are you living according to your purpose? Well, I think living according to one's purpose, actually, for me anyway, is an intentional practice. I think that we live in a world that can very easily take us away from our purpose if we're not careful about making intentional decisions to follow our hearts. So for me, living according to my purpose involves self-reflection involves intentional decisions about who I allow and keep in my life, what kind of projects I want to work on. Over the years have become better at letting go of projects or people or things that are no longer serving my purpose. Yeah, I get I don't know if that's really the answer, but to me it's an intentional practice because I think in a society that really prescribes our social roles and 
commercialism and things that we have to have and do and buy and see, it can be really easy to, to get drawn away from one's purpose. Well said. And I'm reflecting on the fact that we've spoken about how when it comes to letting go of things, especially material things, you know, around the house, let's say, you have said to me, you've got to be able to give, you know, give it away or whatever, and have faith that if you need it again, Mm. you'll be able to find another, you'll be able to find it again. Yeah. So I think that that's, for me, you're a very intentional person and a very intentional, purposeful person. I just find that very inspiring. You pivoted from the beginning. Yeah. So, I mean, I I can very vividly remember a few pivotal days. I, I remember the day that I fully acknowledged to myself that I would not be going to med school. I went out for a walk or a run around my neighborhood and I came home and I was in the foyer of my parents' home and I remember just kind of like sliding to the ground and crying that everything I had worked so hard towards was not going to come to fruition and not really knowing what happens next. That was a pivotal day. I remember a day in my office where things were just not going well. Things were piling on. I was exhausted. Uh, I felt that I did not have support from my management team. There was a lot of some unethical things happening around me that just was not aligned with my purpose or my values. And a very kind person was leaving his shift and just somehow sensed that my energy was off and and turned back around and, and said, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. And I, again, broke down in tears, which seems to be the common theme of all my pivotal moments and had a conversation about, you know, was this what I really wanted in my life? And no, it wasn't the person I wanted to be. It's it's not me. It's the situation around me. So that was a, a pivotal moment as well. And then shortly after that, choosing to get into therapy myself for the first time and start my business and probably the decision to take on my master's. It was a pivotal moment as well, though I I think that one was comparatively easier, maybe less challenging than than those other memories that I have. Mm. Are you the person you want to be? Yeah, I think I am. I think I am. And it's, it's interesting because I remember in my psych degree, I have this professor who was, I think, tenured or very close to retirement. And he just really didn't care about the university politics anymore. He, he was going to teach his class his way. And if he got fired, it didn't really matter. And so he he did not have tests. He did not have midterms. The final exam of this class could be basically anything you wanted. And, and me being me, it's actually kind of telling now. I chose to have what he called an oral exam, which meant I went to his office and talked to him for an hour. And he asked me that question. Uh, you know, what do you think, what do you think the purpose of life is for you? And I said at the time, you know, to be myself and be authentic. And he said, do you feel like you're, you are? And I said, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a number in the system. I am playing the game of university. I have no idea what I'm doing when I graduate. Again, broke down in tears, really worried I was going to fail this class because I literally cried my way through the final exam. Mm. Uh, I think he appreciated my authenticity because I think I ended up with like a B plus after that. But yeah, I'm glad you asked me that question because now I can say I think I am the person 
I want to be. I think that we're all works in progress. Mm-hmm. There are things that I'm working on. I'm working on being easier on myself. I'm working on being less purposeful all the time and just having joy in my life and playfulness. Again, that's the orange that I Mm -hmm. am not very strong in, but try to cultivate. But in general, yeah, I think I have gotten to my place myself to a place that I feel proud of, that I feel good about, that there's still growth in, but certainly I'm a lot closer to it than where I was 10 years ago in that guy's office. (laughs) Wow. I love it. I love it. And so what are your top three values? And I know you, you could sit there and list like 25 values, <laughs> but I'm going to make it to three. What do you think they are? Okay. So it's funny because I knew you were going to ask me this question. So I actually got out my Brene Brown values exercise that I did five years ago when I was starting my business. Cool. Because it, it was really important to me to open and operate a business that was in line with my values. So I actually do have the list of 25 in front of me, but to sum them all up wholehearted, wholeheartedness, which to me means living fully, giving fully, showing up fully to my life. I feel my best when I am showing up to my life My second one is growth, which I think is probably evident by what I've already told you today and what you know about me in general. Mm -hmm. I really value bettering myself, um, you know, becoming a better therapist, becoming a better business owner in my training, growing as a friend, as a daughter, as a sister, as a partner. I don't know. I, I don't know a third. I think all of the ones that I've got on my, you know, I've got authenticity, I've got openness, I've got learning, I've got generosity, a connection. I think they all fall under wholeheartedness and growth for me. So I'm going to let you go with only two? Yes, you are. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's uh, around your little finger, right? That's where I am. I'm just wrapped around you. <laughs> That's fine because I do know that they they incorporate they encompass so many um, so many more. And by the way, I I'd like to uh, you know hear more about that that values exercise. Yeah, I'll bring it to you next time I see you. Very cool. So our last question, and I I think this will be a very telling one. Do you have a favorite motivational quote or words that you live by? Words that I live by. I, oh man, again, it's hard to just pick just one. So I, I recently was at a retreat and I don't know if these are words to live by, but they're resonating with me right now, which is that the slower we move, the more time we have. And I've been really like chewing on that and reflecting on it because one of my, I'm looking at my vision board in my office right now. And the top goal for 2023 was to slow down. And give myself more time, listen to my body more, show up more fully because I'm not rushing everywhere and just kind of accept where I am without feeling like this constant pressure to move forward or be doing something. So I think right now that's that's kind of maybe not what I'm living by yet, but what I'm striving to live by. The slower we move, the more time we have. Yeah. The slower we move, the more time we have. Yeah. I'm going to chew on that too in my my head. You know what? I'm reminded of, have I told you about my spaghetti sauce making adventure? I can't remember. Tell me again. All right then. 
So one night I decided that instead of rush, 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 I was going to take my time. And I, I, I really did. I had some music on. I believe there might have been a glass of red wine that I was sipping on. And I took my time in crafting, in creating this spaghetti sauce. And it was the best spaghetti sauce I've ever made. And I, I did this like several years ago. And I can just still remember how, how not just tasty it was, but how the process was so slow and not hurried and not rushed. And I was actually living in that spaghetti sauce moment. Mm. So when I hear that idea, that quote, the, those words, the slower we move, the more time we have. You know, as a 53-year-old woman, I'm like, well, then maybe I should just go really, really slow so that I have more time in my life. I wasn't expecting that, my friend. It threw me for a loop. Well, it's a new one I've just heard, and maybe that's why it's fresh in my mind right now. And and as you're telling your story, like it's occurring to me that maybe there's a link between that quote and what I said earlier about being intentional. I mean, we can only be intentional when we stop long enough to think about what our intentions are. And so slowing down you know, taking the time to really appreciate the food you're making or the people you're with or the time you have alone. It, it makes sense to me, actually, that it, it gives us more time because we can be more intentional about where we're putting our energy if we're not just running around. I'm wondering, too, about the European way. Isn't that kind of a European? Mm, like the yeah. dinners are so slow and long and stuff. You're right. Yeah. And I mean, they like close their shops on Sundays and have siestas in the middle of the afternoon. And I think we could, yeah, you're right. We could learn something from them. See, I don't want this conversation to end. (laughs) I'm looking forward to the next time, the next time we chat. And what can I say? I, I adore you. I love you. I have so much respect for you. I'm deeply, deeply inspired by you. And I think the world is just a much better place because you're part of it. Oh, I think the exact right back at you. I think it's, uh, I think it's fantastic that you're doing this podcast after a long time of thinking about it and wanting to do it and making it reality. And I, yeah, I, I just, I, I wouldn't be where I am in my career without you. And I know that for certain, because when we met, you taught me how important networking was and that has been a pivotal transferable skill in all of the jobs I've had. And you've had such an impact on me personally and professionally. I'm immensely grateful for you. Oh, it's just so it's so mutual. Thank you for for taking the time and for just being here on the playground and sharing your your thoughts, your journey, your soul, because you really talked about how much it hurt when you couldn't do the things that you wanted to do. And I think a lot of people experience that, especially mm-hmm. young people when they're in university, college, and they're they're really struggling with what to do and mm-hmm. coming to the conclusion that, uh-oh, what I've been wanting to do for so long isn't a, a viable alternative anymore. What, what else can I do? And you've just shown us all the opportunities, the possibilities, and, and uh, the joys that can mm-hmm. be created 
by living an intentional and purposeful life. Yeah. So thank you, my dearest Brianna. I will talk with you soon. Okay. Great. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you so much, Brianna, for hanging out with us today on the playground. She shared her career journey in such a wholehearted and authentic way, and I appreciate her honesty and thoughtful answers. We learned about her positive attitude to life, her dedication to being present in her life, and what that means to her. She spoke about the challenges she experienced throughout her career and how everything led her to where she is now, the owner of Talk Tools Training and Psychotherapy here in Ottawa, Canada. She really is an amazing person, and I am so thrilled she was able to spend some time with us. I am super excited about next week's mystery guest, and I am looking forward to having a fantastic chat together. Until then, I wish you a wholehearted week filled with growth and gratitude. Please do follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001, and until next week, when we will jump into the future together.